Folks, it's nice to be with you tonight here in Clougher Valley where uh, it was very kind of uh, the Reverend McIntyre to invite me to come along uh, to preach at this week of mission here in Clougher Valley. We're glad uh, to be here tonight. We have uh, very fond memories, uh, well at least we think we could call them that, uh, of the night we were received uh, into uh, the gospel ministry or at least to commence uh, the study in the Whitfield College of the Bible now uh, five years ago there just in your old uh, church building. It's hard to believe uh, how four years have gone by there in college life and then another year uh, that has just gone into eternity almost in Ochnachloy and we can say the Lord is good and we, we look to him even for the days ahead. We rejoice with you here even in the completion of the church building and latterly uh, the refurbishment of the hall here in Clougher Valley. We're going to read uh, God's Word together. Our scripture reading is taken from 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians on the chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, we're commencing to read at the verse 11, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and the verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead." And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. And we'll end our reading there at the concluding verse of this chapter 5 of Second. Corinthians. We'll just bow for a moment's prayer and seek the Lord's face, seek His help even as we come now 
to the ministry of His precious Word. Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee and praise Thee for all that has gone before already in this meeting tonight. We thank Thee, Lord, even for the ministry in song, even from our brother. And Father, we thank Thee even for the congregational singing, this opportunity to praise and to worship Thee even uh, this night. As we give thanks even for a harvest that has been gathered in, uh, even over this past year, those temporal provisions that Thou hast made for us. And Father, we do thank Thee and praise Thee uh, for all the many blessings that Thou hast blessed us with, with even in a past year. But Lord, we come now to think about this meeting before us. And Lord, we, we think of the great harvest of what it is said, the fields are white and ready unto harvest. And Father, we just pray even this night that there would be a harvest of souls even in this meeting. Oh Lord, we just pray that as uh, this building has been opened this night for uh, the proclamation of thy word, that Father, that we would even be pleased to see thy hand at work this night. And Father, that we're pleased to work and to move even in this building. You'd move from heart to heart uh, even this very night. Lord, we just thank thee for thy word that we have just read together. We rejoice that it is quick, it is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And Father, we just pray tonight that you will speak even to hearts even this evening. Speak with that voice that wakes the dead, we pray of thee. Oh Lord, we just cry even now that you would hide me far behind the cross. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. And indeed, in each and every one gathered in this house this night, may Christ's name be exalted and uplifted this evening in this place. And may may there be a work done even in the honor and for the honor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hide me far behind the cross. Let none be seen, save Jesus and Jesus only. Amen and amen. Well, we live in a day when it is out with the old and in with the new. There's no such thing as calling a handyman nowadays from down the road to come and fix a a kitchen appliance. Uh, If it breaks down, we're told if you get three to five years out of it, you should be thankful because that's about as far as it lasts and that's its life expectancy. Even cars nowadays, uh, various makes and models of motor vehicles, once the warranty ends on anything, you can be almost certain that it will begin to give difficulty. When you return then to the manufacturer or to the retailer, you're encouraged to go down the route again of out with the old and in with the new. And many once faithful gospel witnesses, we could even apply this to them who once held rigidly to the foundational Christian doctrines right across this land of ours, have adopted this approach out with the old and in with the new, once held rigidly to the doctrines of of grace, and and yet they have apostatized, they've forsaken them to the latest liberal crisis. The centrality of gospel preaching being pushed to one side to make way for other worldly things. While it is a true saying, 
out with the old and in with the new. Oftentimes it carries with it those negative connotations. There are times when things get old nonetheless and they need to be replaced, such as many of the old wooden portable halls uh, and adapted buildings that were used in the early days, even in the formation of our own denomination, the Free Presbyterian Church. There were days of great blessing, and there are perhaps those here tonight and can look back to those early days, days when heaven came down even upon earth, and there was a great work done even for God. Nonetheless, as the work of God has flourished and began to grow, there has been that need that has arisen for permanent structures. The old buildings needed to be replaced by new buildings or newly refurbished ones. This was the case in Ochnatloy four years ago when the congregation opened up the new church building there to the glory of God. And it has been the case here in Tlaher Valley, and we commend your minister and session, the committee, the congregation here, uh, even for the work that has been completed here in the church building in Latterley. We rejoice with you in the opening of your new church hall here. And you know, we trust that these buildings will stand for many years to come, even as a testament to the Lord's goodness to people here in this corner of the vineyard. We trust that these buildings will be the birthplace of many new converts saved and brought to Christ in the days which lie ahead. Sometimes old things must be done away with and new things put into their place. And it is with this thought in mind, men and women, tonight that I want to direct your attention to our text this evening in verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. We want to ask the question, what is a new creature in Christ? What is a new creature in Christ? Well, I want you to note with me, first of all, that there are conditions required. There are conditions required. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, the wording here in our text this evening highlights for us very clearly that there are required conditions to be met if one is to be saved, if one is to be converted to Christ. There are many today who deny that there are required conditions to salvation. Nonetheless, our text here is very clear. There are required conditions if one is to say that they are in Christ. The universalist believes we are all destined for heaven. We'll all end up in heaven some way, somehow. You know, I remember back in school, whenever I was a wee lad, I never was uh, that wee, but whenever I was a lot uh, shorter than what I was, and I remember uh, in school one day, and it came to that point, of the year, that time of the year, whenever the local minister was to come in, supposedly to complete the religious examination. And how did he commence? Well, he looked over his glasses, something like this here, and he looked down at us all as children, and he said, we're all Christians, aren't we? And I never forgot it. And it often weighs heavily upon my heart. 
I remember as a young child having had the privilege and the blessings of being bathed in the gospel from the earliest of years, have been brought along to a faithful gospel-preaching church, to have known the gospel inside out from my earliest of years, listening to that man and being completely aghast at what just came out of his mouth. We're all Christians, aren't we? Asking myself, how could this man wearing a collar come out with such lies? And men and women and young people tonight, we ought not to be under any illusion. There are still such men and indeed women in pulpits up and down this land telling us such things. I've heard testimonies of those who used to attend such places, coming under conviction of sin and, and going to the, to the manse and knocked the door and seeking to be saved and been told to go home they were good enough for heaven. But that's not what the Bible tells us, folks. This is not what the Scripture teaches. Rather, it says here in our text tonight, if any man be in Christ... And therefore we can deduct from these words that everyone in this building tonight is found in one of two states, either in Christ or out of Christ. The Bible says there are only two classes of people in this world. No, not various classes, not an upper class and a middle class and a working class and whatever else you could care to mention. No, there are only two classes of people, those who are saved and those who are lost. John 3 and 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God, well, it abideth on him. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. The Scriptures are very clear, men and women. We're either saved or we're lost. There are no gray areas. There are no in-betweens. Either saved or lost. As this text this evening teaches us, either in Christ or out of Christ. Salvation occurs in a person's life when he is placed in Christ. Christ comes into him and he is placed into Christ, made dead in the old sinful nature and all its corruption and raised to walk, praise God, in the newness of life. I wonder how you are found this evening here in this beautiful church building in Tlaher Valley. Are you in Christ or out of Christ tonight? Those words in Christ signify a union with Christ. And you tonight who are saved, you are united to Christ. It's a privileged position to be saved by the precious blood of Christ. Be at one with Him entitled to all the benefits that flow uh, to us from him. However, if you're not found in Christ this evening, you're at enmity with Christ. You're in opposition to him. Well, you can't straddle between this and that, either in Christ or out of Christ. Tell me, how are you found tonight? This opening night of the gospel mission here in Tlachar Valley. How are you found? How are you found this evening? 
What is a new creature in Christ? Well, there are required conditions, but to see also there is a necessary change. If you're to be a new creature in Christ, there's a necessary change. Uh, there we see in our text, if any man be in Christ, old things are passed away. Old things are passed away. The old in our text refers to everything that is part of the old sinful nature. You'll remember back how in the Garden of Eden, how when Adam fell... We sinned, fell with them, and sinned in them. Death passed upon all men for all have sinned. That old nature then, that fallen nature, that love of pride, that love of sin, that reliance on our own works, our filthy habits and passions, but most significantly, what we loved, it must pass away if you're to be a new creature. In Christ. Especially the supreme love of self, our self-righteousness, our self-promotion, our self-justification. Old things, they must die. They must be nailed to the cross. The Scriptures paint as a picture of the unbeliever's life being enslaved to Satan and to sin, to the lust of the flesh, And you know, unbeliever, your mind tonight, if you're not saved, you're blinded to the truth, and thus you don't understand and believe the gospel message. Paul writes of this there in in, in 2 Corinthians 4, in the previous uh, chapter, verses 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them. Dead in sin. Devil has blinded you tonight, perhaps. Dead in trespasses and in sins. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. But the Spirit now worketh in the children of disobedience. You know, even as the child of God, it's a joy to know that the old man is crucified, crucified with him, that body of sin, that it might be destroyed. And henceforth we should no more serve sin. Wonderful thing to be saved not found in our sin. What is a new creature in Christ? Well, there must be that change, that necessary change. If you're to be a new creature in Christ, you must repent of your sin. You must turn away from it and trust only in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. The old must pass away and the new must come. The old dead things are replaced with new things full of life and a life lived for the glory of God. The new creation in Christ is a wondrous thing formed in the mind of God and created by His power for His glory. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought or contemplated upon the fact, you know, the Lord doesn't owe us anything. We none of us deserve his so great salvation. He could have justly and righteously condemned us all to hell for all eternity. But yet he's been merciful in sending his only begotten son 
there to the cross at Calvary to save sinners such as you and me. Is he speaking to you tonight? Is he challenging you in this opening night of this mission? You know you're involved yet in sin and the things of the world. You know if you're to be a new creation, old things, they must pass away. You're saved, old things, they pass by, behind. In our text we see whenever a person comes to have saving faith in Christ, there is that regeneration that occurs in a person's life and transforms them completely. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, Paul wrote to Titus about this regeneration that occurs in a believer by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing and regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You see, your works never take you to heaven. All your good works... You might be the best neighbor in Clotter Valley. You might be the person that people lift the phone to, knowing that you'd be the one to help them out. But you know what the Bible says about your righteousness? It's nothing more than filthy rags. It's not by works of righteousness what we have done, but according to the mercy of God that saves us. Spurgeon, speaking of this miraculous work of God in the life of the believer, says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creation. This is a very sweeping statement. A man in Christ is not the old man purified, nor the old man improved, nor the old man in better humor or better form, nor the old man with additions or subtraction, nor the old man dressed in gorgeous robes. No, he is a new creation altogether. As for the old man, he says, what is to be done with him? Can he be sobered? Can he be reformed and made to to do useful service? No, he is crucified with Christ and bound to die by a lingering but a certain death. Tell me, is the Spirit of God speaking to you tonight? Challenging you of your need to get right with him. Bold in things. In your heart and life, you know that's not right. You know you're not saved. What is a new creature in Christ? Well, there's required conditions. There's a necessary change. But see, also, there's an outward confirmation. There's an outward confirmation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Paul tells the Corinthians, when someone becomes a Christian, they are made a new creature in Christ, and everything in their life then becomes new. And if someone is truly saved, things ought to be different. They love new things. Those things that they were involved in the world, the love that they had for the things of the world, they pass away. Perhaps there are those here tonight, saved even in the early days in the, in the church, the formation of the church, involved deeply in the things of the world, 
You can remember how the Lord transformed your life. He took the taste for the things of the world from you and how he gave you that desire for new things. Oh, how he took the, the desire for the things of the old world away altogether. Put that new song upon your lips, even praise unto our God. Oh, for saved, we ought to be different. The love that a, a regenerated person, a, a, a saved person has for the things of the world that passes away, the, the new creature looks outwardly toward Christ instead of looking within. There's that desire for the things of God rather than the things of this old world. The, the, the Bible describes the change that is apparent in the individual's life when they come to know Christ in, in several ways. They speak of being born, or they speak of being born into Christ, born again. Turn over there for a moment with me to John's Gospel in chapter 1. Let me read there. These things, John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The Bible teaches us clearly, when an individual is saved, they're converted to Christ they're born again. You remember the Savior's word to Nicodemus there in the third gospel of, of John also. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And you know, if you're ever going to be in heaven, you must be born again. You must be changed here on earth. There must be a work done here in your heart and life here in this time. This is your opportunity tonight here in Clahar Valley. We were speaking even last night, turn over with us for a moment to Luke 16. We're speaking of that rich man even in our own church there in Ochnatloy. Luke 16 and 24 just as we seek to emphasize the importance of being saved now, the importance of being right with God, even in this, the opening night of the mission, not even leaving it to tomorrow night or, or to think about it to the end of the week. This is your opportunity tonight to be saved. The Lord has been gracious. He has been merciful to you. You see, if you pass away tonight, if this is your last gospel opportunity, if this is your last time in this meeting house, and you're not right with God, you're in a very dangerous position. This man here in Luke 16, in verse 20, Verse 19, there was the, the rich man and he was clothed in purple and fine linen and he fared sumptuously every day. He was enjoying life. He had all that he needed. He was going on ahead. He had 
great luxuries. But then we read there in verse 22, and it came to pass, the beggar died, and he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, saying, Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried, verse 24, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. What do we learn? Well, we learn many things in that verse 24, but why did I turn you to it tonight? Well, it was just for to make this one point. Whenever he was there in hell, he knew he couldn't go back himself. He knew there was no going back himself to tell his brethren on down there in, in verse 28, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest also they come into this place of torment. He was wanting to send someone, send the preacher. Such was the reality of hell, and when he was there, there was no going back. And brethren and sisters and young people tonight, men and women, you're in great danger. You're not saved. Leave this meeting tonight not right with God if you don't know what it is to be born again, trusting alone in Christ for salvation. The Scripture states when a man is saved, he is born again. Now, another wording for that is found here in this text tonight. He is that new creation. In the 15th verse of the last chapter of Galatians, we read, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And you know tonight, if you're ever going to be saved, you must be that new creation. God makes him man over again. Whenever you're saved, you're made over again. You're changed into the likeness of Christ. God puts another spirit into your body, another heart. He gives you that new heart and takes away that old hard heart. If a man is a Christian, he's different. He's changed. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. If someone has become a new creation in Christ, there is that outward confirmation. In 1 John 3 and 9, the, uh, the Apostle John wrote about the fact that if a person has truly become a new creature in Christ through coming to a knowledge of saving faith in Christ, then he, he cannot go on living his life continually in sin and the sinful life that he lived before. I wonder tonight as we are met together in this house, maybe there's someone here and you're holding on to a false profession. Oh yes, you're looking back to a day and you professed Christ. But there never was much change happened. And here you are and there's a number of years have passed by and perhaps even the oversight of the church here Consider you to be a Christian. But you know in your own heart you're not right with God. 
Oh, you mightn't be out in the things of the world that's visible to all around, but yet you're still found in your sin. Well, you see, if you're truly saved, we read in, in 1 John 3 and 9, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Yes, we fail God, we let God down, but if you're truly saved, you've a desire always to confess your sin and get right with God and always be found in a right standing with Him. Tell me, is your life story as a Christian the story of how God turned you into a new creation and has made all things new in your life? You can rejoice tonight. You can say you're saved. You can say, preacher, I'm rejoicing. I'm found in Christ. I'm resting alone on Him for my salvation is your story of being dead in sins and trespasses, living in this world and then suddenly been raised up to new life in Christ. If not, perhaps you need a question whether or not you're truly saved, whether or not you're in the faith. Are you living as a new creation in Christ? You see, if we're truly saved, it ought to be visible to those around us that we're different. We're still living in the old ways of the sinful world in rebellion against Christ. If you're not sure, you ought to know that you're living in rebellion against Christ right now. I'd encourage you to turn your life over to Christ. Say, not my will, but thine be done. Tell him you want to serve him with all of your heart. Believer, are you controlled by the love of Christ in your life? Does the love of Christ constrain you? Does the way you live your life, the things that you do reflect the heart of Christ to those around you, those that you work with? Are you laying down your life working in the master's service for the souls of others? Or is it a case of everything and anything else comes before God and His work? If not, I would encourage you to lay down your life again before the Lord and be willing to be used in His service. Each day, trust the Lord that He would use you mightily and to open up doors for you to serve Him, to reach out to the lost around you. He died for you and you're truly the question is, are you truly living your life in obedience to Him? Doing as well, going where He would have you to go, saying what He would have you to say. Are you still living for yourself and doing things how you want to do it? Well, we commence by saying sometimes old things must be done away with and new things put into their place. And what about you tonight? who have come to the opening night of this mission. If you're to be sure of salvation, God's salvation, you must come to Christ. You must be saved. You must be found in Christ. If you are to escape that awful place called hell, maybe there is much of the things of this old world that you desire to hold on to tonight. Oh, you know this verse of Scripture to be true. 
but you're enjoying the old things. You're enjoying the pleasure in sin. Don't let temporal things take you to hell, man or woman, tonight. Perhaps it's some person that holds you back from getting right with God, from being saved tonight, from being found in Christ. Don't let some individual I plead with you take you to hell. Salvation is a personal thing. Each and every one of us must receive Christ personally if we are ever to be saved. A child or young person in the meeting tonight, I remind you, the salvation of your parents, the salvation of your grandparents will never be enough for you to merit eternal life. Not take you to heaven. They've maybe been here from the beginning. I don't know. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. May the Lord take that which is of himself tonight and use it for his own honor and glory. Amen. I'd like to thank Reverend Anderson very much for bringing that very challenging message, the importance of being born again, of being saved. Are you born again tonight? Do you know Christ? If you are concerned and you want to talk to Reverend Anderson or myself or someone else that you're with who is a Christian, you, you have a wee word with them. Or you come and speak to us over the tea and we'll talk to you about the things of God. But get the, 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 the sin question settled tonight at the foot of the cross. Really make that appeal to you. Uh, we're going to sing 219. We're going to change the, the closing hymn. Just this hymn came to me as our brother was preaching. A ruler once came to Jesus by night to ask him the way of salvation and light. The master made answer in words true and plain. You must be born again. You know, George Whitfield, the great evangelist, he, he kept preaching in this text over and over. You must be born again. He was asked, some t- he was asked one time, why do you preach in that text all the time? He said, because you must be born again. And you know, those aren't the words of any man. Those are the words of Christ. You must be born again. It's really good to have the Reverend Raymond Morrow with us, and he will be preaching the last message of this series of gospel meetings on, on Thursday evening. I'm going to ask our brother just to come up during the singing of the fourth verse and he can uh, close in prayer and give thanks for the food. We'll stand together.
Let's pray. Dear Lord and most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to gather together in your house, and Lord, for another privilege of hearing your word brought to us. Lord, we thank you that your word is a living word, and Lord, it has that power to transform lives through Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gospel, the good news, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And Lord, we thank thee and praise thee tonight that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, we pray, now that as the voice of man grows silent, Lord, that thy voice would speak on in the hearts of those that know not thee. Lord, we pray that you would convict and convince men and women, boys and girls, of their need of a Savior. Lord, of judgment to come, but of salvation in Christ alone. Lord, we pray now that you'll bless the food that has been prepared for us. And Lord, then in due course, take take us to our homes in safety. For it's in Jesus' precious name we ask these things. Amen. Please make your way directly to the hall. Uh, some uh, things have been provided for you, and uh, we look forward to some fellowship around the cup of tea. Thank you so much for coming along tonight. Thank you. Thank you.